Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast, which are host Mark Cowley. We have Rory Walsh and Karen Collins with me uh, again, and I know we took the week off there last week. Uh, it's safe to say, lads, it's been a quite week <laughs> since we last spoke. How are things? Good, Mark. Yourself? Yeah, I suppose key headlines here, lads, since we last we spoke. Um, Harry Ruddle, the heroes, belly gunner, clinched their maiden uh, senior All-Ireland title against Baddy Hale in Crow Park. University of Limerick win the Fitzgibbon Cup and also the return of the Alliance and after her league as well have a quick look back at round two and do a preview of round three so I suppose guys chronological order uh, maybe we'd look at the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Club final I think it was one of the most exciting club finals senior wise I've watched in quite a long time looked for good long periods that Baddy Hale had the upper hand but uh, credit to Baddy Gunner stuck to the process and uh, snatched a good win at the end Rory what were your thoughts on the match? Yeah super super game and a fairy tale ending in a way for, for Baddy Gunner winning their first title and doing a to Bally Hale, what they had done to uh, Rhinos in the last minute, what Bally Hale had done to Rhinos, and also what they had done um, as well against um, Thomas's. So, yeah, it was a, yeah, uh, and what a goal to win it from Harry Ruddles. And uh, he had became a household name <laughs> in that instant, but uh, it, it, it was some some strike. Yeah, just like for them, I had a sneaky bet on them before they played the Munster final, kind of based on how they were going in Munster. And also with Bally Hale, hadn't been putting teams away like they had. They were lying on, on a bit of luck and you were kind of wondering, I know going to a final, would it be, you know, obviously it was going to be really difficult to beat a, a team who were so experienced in finals. But you just kind of felt there was something a bit different with Bally Gunner this year. They had a bit more purpose about what they were doing and all their sights were set. And after winning so many Waterford titles in a row and a few Munsters, you do everything was all set on, on winning the All-Ireland. That was probably their target from, from very early on. So, yeah, and also with sports psychology and everything attached to these teams, I don't think like the whole thing of, you know, saying, oh, first final and this kind of stuff was going to be as big a deal. And um, they were probably uh, prepared well that way. And uh, yeah, it just showed the heart that they could actually, um, at the very end, when, when everyone thought they were beaten, they obviously believed themselves. And yeah, what, what a way to win it. Absolutely. Uh, Kieran, uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, absolute great game. Um, doing what Bally Hale did to teams over the years. You know, uh, it was turning on them and uh, last minute goal. If you were going to be critical on anyone, I think even looking at Hutchinson's goal, like they were the keeper should have saved, like you know, a shot from that far out. Uh, you hear some people saying it could have been blocked, but uh, looking back and I think the keeper has to save it. Uh, the same for Hutchinson's goal. I think that was you know, if it was the other way around, if the shots were in and O'Keefe, I without a doubt say that they wouldn't have been goals. So. It's hard to be critical on a club player, you know, he's obviously, but Bally Hale have been, they've been superb over the last few years, and I'm not writing them off, they probably will be there again next year, but uh, a great, great story for Bally Gunner and a great story for Waterford, and uh, I think it'll, it'll give them a huge boost going into this year. Yeah, Dizzy Hutchinson, Dizzy Hutchinson's outstanding. Uh, like and you could you'd have to think Bally Hale would have been preparing for Desi Hutchinson. They knew they had to stop him, so he would have been talked about a long way out for them. And yet still, he kept them in the game when you know when it looked like Bally Hale might might stretch away at one stage. It was Desi who kind of dragged them back in. He was phenomenal, I thought. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. I think he's been. If you're looking back at the whole club championship, he's probably a player of the championship for me. Anyway, if he can pull that form into Waterford, they could be looking at a, a long year. Oh, absolutely, and I mean, Park Manny chipped in with seven points there, critical stages. And but I just thought the composure that's from Baddy Gunner. I mean, their first All Ireland final 
you wouldn't have thought it. Like, I mean, had a bright start, didn't put points on the board, and then Ballyhale suddenly gained momentum. And in that second quarter, they outscored Ballygunner seven points to two. And for most teams there, the pressure would have been completely on them. I mean, Ballyhale up 10 points to seven at the break, and then Owen Reid scored the goal after 43 minutes. Seemed to open up a bit of a decisive gap. But Ballygunner lads have been saying throughout the week was that they were just going to keep going with the process keep going execute the game plan if it wasn't going well just keep executing and as you said lads i think uh desi hutchinson was nothing short of sensational uh during the contest you know the goal was came at the right time for Baddy gunner an immediate response um you know so no it was um very much tit for tat wasn't it going into that last quarter really uh, i mean Baddy gunner weren't going away Baddy hale with their nose in front but um did you feel boys um Bally Hale going a little bit cautious. Did they kind of draw players back a little bit? Because uh, I've seen kind of reaction here of Barry Coughlin particularly. I know he had a tour of time with Colin Fenley at the start, but then grew into the game. But his comment after the game was kind of suggesting that he felt that Bally Hale were kind of sitting a bit deeper, particularly in the last five, ten, ten minutes. Would you agree with that assessment, uh, Rory? Yeah, definitely. At the end, there was an element of them holding on. And you would have thought, like, Barry Hale would be the kind that, you know, typically like any team, if they're up two points, they'll put four, you know, they'll get the gap to four. But there was an element of them holding on and pulling them in back. I think they'd be disappointed with performances of Owen Cody and Mullen. Um, two guys, really, that, let's say, Desi was the go-to forward for that. I know that TJ Reid has been doing it for years, but these are the new kids on the block for them over the last few years. And I, I just thought, like, that they there was more in them. And if, if Ballyhale are kind of looking at maybe who didn't perform to their potential on All-Ireland final day, there's two guys really, you know, with two former young hurlers of the year. And, yeah, I thought, like, if those two boys had hit form along with TJ, then, you know, no matter what Valley Gunner were going to do, it was going to be hard. Well, I think as well, um, looking back on the year, uh, Mullen has been poor. Like, he hasn't been up to the same standards he would have been last year or the year before. Uh, it's been a poor club camp championship. And, like, Kilkenny are, are going to really rely on these lads. Like, they, they needed these three guys back in. From a Bally Gunner perspective, like, just the belief they showed till the end. Like, Harry Ruddle, junior hurling last year, you know, dying seconds, calling for the ball, having the confidence to take it on. You know, so I'd say the self-belief in Bally Gunner must have been off the charts. You know, and they, as I said, they, they didn't give up. They believed in themselves. And, uh, yeah, hats off to them. I think it's great. Absolutely. And, I mean, for Baddy Hale, like, you look, there's 11 different scores during the 60 minutes, which I thought was a phenomenal stat. But kind of going back to Adrian Mullen, guys, where's his most favoured position? I mean, we've seen him in schools lording it in the insightful forward line. He started with Kilkenny in the half-forward line. Now he's after the ACL. He seems to be now in a middle-third role. Um, where do you see Adrian Mullen, you know, from a Kilkenny perspective, I suppose? Because as you say, Rory and Karen, quite rightly, I mean, it's really Mullen and Cody. Are, these are the guys that are going to have to drive Kilkenny on this year. be interesting to get your viewpoint there, uh, Karen. Just in terms of Mullen, where do you think his favourite position should be? Yeah, like, I suppose looking back at last year, uh said they're sort of forward. But then you're kind of looking why... Has Cody deployed Parik Walsh centre forward for the last two games? You know, so is he seeing something that's going to come down the track? Walsh was, I thought, had a very good game against Tipperary the last day out. I think four points. So interesting to see will he be there come come championship? Is is Cody seeing a couple of weak spots in the forward line? Like TJ, he's superb, but not getting any younger. It's hard to know. Cody, I think with Walsh going up there, there's something to miss. Walter Walsh, like there's a lot of inconsistency with Kilkenny. Like Walter Walsh has been in and out of the team, you know, coming on as a sub, doing well. Then the next day, coming on, not doing as well. 
Mossy Keown, like a two two against Antrim within the last year, I think he only scored a point. Like so it, there's no consistency in the in the Kilkenny forwards and this is where they're TJ Reid is still going to be heavier relied on, as possibly on Cody and in the inside line. Absolutely. Uh, Rory, uh, any thoughts there? Yeah, just I suppose thinking of going back to Mullen, I think he has played his best hurling for Kilkenny at wing forward. Like, uh, remember the first half against Limerick in 2019? And uh, physically, he, he you know, uh, we know Kilkenny started that game, uh, massive work rate and intensity. And I thought Mullen was, was kind of leading that for, for them. Um, he was actually right in front of me at the game. So I was getting an eye and I thought he was brilliant uh, that day. And he, he hasn't hit that. I know he's had the injury. But he hasn't hit that level since. I haven't seen it since from him. But yeah, again, um, Cody will, will, still will be delighted to have these guys back. Like there's it's half his forward line. Um, with Walsh in there as well, centre forward, it does give maybe a different dynamic to it. But is TJ going to push out to the wing then uh, as a puck out target? Maybe in in around closer to goal. Uh, but I think TJ's best role is, is ball winning. You know, really strong in the air, brings players into play around him as well. So he, like he is your all around hurler, like um, in terms of. You know, not just striking and scaling, and free-taking everything, but just that ability to win dirty ball. So it's hard to imagine TJ not in the half-forward line. But yeah, I suppose that's the one thing that the last year, as you even look through the league with the Belly Hill players gone, and it's the same names again. Cody has been going back to guys that kind of, as Kieran said there, guys that have been kind of looked at before, um, substituted in the big games, and suddenly they're back in again. Just looks like he doesn't, Kilkenny, like, don't seem to have that, you know, depth and, uh, and talent that we, you know, uh, have been used to with Kilkenny for the last few years. Absolutely. Be a fascinating watch, I think, with Kilkenny in the next uh, few weeks. But uh, I think, as you said, Kieran, what a tonic for Watford Hurling as well. And I think heartiest congratulations to Bally Gunner. It's, and you know that weekend as a whole, you know, you see Kilku from Down, small parish on the Irish Peninsula winning as well. Bally Gunner, Watford. It's not every year you see Watford and Down teams win a senior All-Ireland. So I think it can only be good for club game and also hopefully inter-county as well for those counties as well. So heartiest congratulations, Bally Gunner. Look, Bally Haler, Hurling Giant that they are. They'll never go away and I expect them to be bouncing back as good as ever next year. I suppose, guys, we could maybe switch on to Carlo Fitzgibbon Cup. Again, it was a very exciting finale here, uh, lads. The two semi-finals at Fitzgibbon were sensational with uh, NUIG, Pippin, GMIT up in Pierce Stadium in Salt Hill by a point and then Mikey Kiley's inspirational goal for University of Limerick against uh, Carlo IT, setting up um, a dream final. And... Um, I think for many respects, the final did deliver. Plenty of flashpoints, but uh, University of Limerick on top. Kieran, what were your thoughts, your initial thoughts of uh, University of Limerick winning by three points? Uh, yeah, I thought both games played <clears throat> had their purple patches. Uh, you know, at, at different points, you could say, ah, oh, yeah, you were on top. And then it, it turned a bit, and you think uh, Galway were on top. And I, I, I commented towards the end, you would say Galway were in the driving seat to see it out. Okay, right cards. May or may not have been the deciding factor of changing of the game, but you well finished stronger. They kept the fight going, and I suppose deservedly in the end, went out by the margin they won by. Uh, looking back at it, Galway heavily relied on Ireland on the freeze. I think he had twelve frees, and like there were only Galway only had three scores from play. So I think to win any final, you need more than three scores on the on the sheet i think uh like nyland had 14 points 12 of them were from place balls so as opposed to ul where there were they had scores coming from all over the field brian o'mara i thought it was absolutely unbelievable and if i were bonner i would be making a call and getting them into the tip setup because uh i think he's just what they need with brian o'mara like uh you're you're there in kind of the, the week or two after party 
um, hangs up the hurrier saying, and here is a, the next six. But he actually, he's not in the tip panel this year. He's traveling. Apparently, by all accounts, he's gone traveling. So uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it, I, I do everything in my power to get him to change his mind. And seize his passport. <laughs> I think he's traveling down to the rag and tortoise for training sessions now. It's a uh, yeah. He, actually, he played a couple of league games last year and he got injured before. Like I think. Sheedy was probably really looking at him last year even as being, a, we were saying there a couple of weeks ago about how Tipperary kind of remained unchanged under Sheedy and he may be stuck with the older guys that bit too long. I, t- I think his hand might have been forced with O'Mara because I think it's somebody that he was rating last year, but um, injury kind of uh, t- took him out of the equation for, for a championship, but he was phenomenal. And they were a very physical team, UL. Um, TJ Brennan as well. The match itself, the the final was, was quite a physical game. And uh, yeah, so it, it I, I thought, you know, it, it was like it probably skill wise wasn't uh, the uh, greatest game to watch in terms of um, phenomenal scores or whatever. Like, again, it had Mikey Kiley doing a Harry Ruddles at the end of it. All right. But in terms of quality that way. Yeah. But in terms of intensity and hits and I thought, it was, you know, it was right up there with Intercounty in terms of the intensity of it. Absolutely. Final has to be won, you know, and you have to win your battles, battle, battle in the trenches. And in fairness to University of Limerick, you know, there was various periods, very much like Bally Gunner in the club final where they could have had the pressure applied on them by NUIG, but they responded manfully, I thought. You know, Connor chipped in with nine points eight from freeze. Mikey Kiley, what a week for him. Like, I mean, from the semi-final to extra time, uh, the miracle shot going in against Carlo IT in Carlo. And also Connolly as well, that's from uh, Lockmore Castellani. Thought nothing short of sensational. Yeah, I think he had three points were played, didn't he? Very exactly, good you know, yeah. so... As you say, Karen, an awful lot of dependence there on Evan Nyland. And, you know, there was, I thought NUIG kind of in their attack was very, the cohesion wasn't there. I mean, even Keen Lynch, I felt, was a very secondary figure. He didn't seem to be a primary ball getter. Ball seemed to be away from him an awful lot. The the incident that we'll remember Keen Lynch by in this final is uh, this red card. I know it's been talked to death at this stage <laughs> guys you know don't want to be hashing old wounds but uh what was your viewpoint on it uh i mean there's various interpretations and what the red card was about uh do you feel first to uh, rory uh that was a legitimate red card issued by uh, fergal horgan absolutely wrong decision even at the time when when uh, i suppose the reaction as well from because it happened right in front of the, the incident happened right in front of the ul bench and management and everything and I think that might have influenced Sean Clear um, who it was Sean Clear really who seemed to call over Fergal Horgan and obviously he, he went for the advice from the linesman but as we can see in replays like it, it, it was kind of one where you bring the ball forward 10 yards either I don't even know if it was a yellow card to be honest um, had it a bearing in the game it, it we, we don't like as we said, Keane Lynch wasn't in the match like we thought he'd be. Uh, he had a very quiet game up until then, but still, um, being down to 14 men trying to see out a, a game like that, it, it had to have been a factor. Just before, actually, M- Mikey Kiley ended up the hero, but he missed a, a sitter of a chance where the keeper did produce a great save, but it had to be stuck. So I'm, I'm delighted. He's delighted he got that chance to redeem himself in a way, because had they lost the game by a point or two, I'm sure it would have been something that he'd have regretted, like not you know finishing that chance. But 10 yards out, maybe one on one with the keeper where he had time to plant his feet and everything. But uh, yeah, no, going back to the Keen Lynch and yeah, it, it was a massive factor game. It was a wrong decision. I don't think, I, I don't know if I, has anybody actually come out and tried to say it was the right decision? Because <laughs> uh, the more you look at it, you just see it actually looks worse each time in terms of how badly they got it wrong. Yeah, Karen, uh, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, and obviously, Harger took the advice of, of, of Clear. Um, 
it wasn't it wasn't a, a red card that you'd normally associate with Hergert Horgan. You know, Horgan he's one of the best. Uh he, yes, he he can make mistakes like any any we're, we're all human, but like Horgan generally that tippy tappy stuff or messing once it's not above shoulder level, usually does let it go. Obviously he took clear of his words. Uh you'd like to think if Horgan was to have seen the insult himself, it wouldn't have been the same outcome. Whether it had a an effect on the game. I'm sure if you're on the NUIG, on your, if you're on the panel of the team and your star player as such is sent off, I'm sure the mindset has to change a bit. You know, UL were coming on top and they were about to have a, a perfect match, which we all know it was. But whether it had the effect or not, I suppose we'll never know. But de- uh, definitely, definitely wasn't a right card. Because yeah, I think we should be lauding University of Limerick here. Just given the last quarter again, you know, amazing fight back against Carroll IT as well. You know, they just, you know, never say die attitude. They've always finished game strong. I felt even before King Lynch sent it off, and you can chime in here, lads. I knew actually I felt we're sitting back a little bit deep, very much Bally Hale last 15 minutes. Uh, Keen Salmon seemed to be one man full forward line. Everyone else had very much retreated back. So I think the Keen Lynch red card probably did kind of accelerate things a bit in terms of UL then winning an awful lot of halfback ball. O'Mara just being completely inspirational on the day, kind of became a very dominant figure, uh, providing an awful lot of quality ball in, same economy as well. But hopefully it shouldn't really detract too much on the University of Limerick because I think they're very worthy champions, just given the score spread, you know, the style of play, the resilience, um, everything about them particularly even in the semi-final, going to the home patch of Carlo IT and getting a result in that fashion. I mean, they've had to do it the hard way here, and I think kudos to University of Limerick. And I mean, I know NUIG are appealing the Key Lynch uh, regards tonight, but very much scant consolation. But I think it's a it's one, particularly up here, it's a bit, it's been a bit of a sore one uh, since that result. But again, they never really killed it off, NUIG, did they? Uh, they always kept University, University of Limerick were always in touch. Um, maybe lads, we can switch maybe to the Allianz Hurling League. Um, just on the round two uh, review, anything really kind of stand up for yourselves? Uh, I know uh, being myself and Karen, being from Limerick and Rory uh, from Clare, it was another kind of a disappointing weekend in round two uh, for Limerick and Clare. But uh, anything really step up for you in terms of marquee headlines? To be honest, like as well, I thought Wexford were quite poor in the game. Both teams, it was a really poor kind of centre game after the night before where Limerick and Galway was, you know, a humdinger of a match. Uh, the Yeah, the centre, like Clare shot themselves in the foot with the breeze in the first half, just shooting from crazy angles. I think Dermot Ryan maybe had four wides from wing back um, in the first half. Like Then when John Connor kind of went in around the edge of the square, they had kind of somebody uh, to aim at and kind of change things slightly for them. That was his kind of first game back as well. So he did look a bit bit off the pace, but still had an influence on it. Um, I thought after half time for the first 10-15 minutes, Clare really tore into them. It was it reminded me of the first half against Waterford in the championship last year for 10-15 minutes. Now they weren't able to sustain that. And yeah, so overall, like it was it was just really disappointing again. Um even though there were there was an improvement on the previous week and the car game, especially in terms of like they showed a bit more fight and uh, you know a bit more will to win and, and all of that, but uh, just still there's like certain things that are just glaringly worrying at the moment. The backline is still a big worry. Um, just uh, as I pointed out, the, the shot selection was crazy like with the breeze and that's kind of if you look back and say where did they lose the game? It was in that first half when they had a good bit of possession and uh, just the, taking poor options and. Like Rory O'Connor then at the other end was doing untold damage on our on our backline and the Clare couldn't seem to get like the right man to 
pick him up or even to slot a man in front of him. It just, uh, yeah, so from uh, Wexford are two out of two and won a really low scoring game against Limerick and then a really kind of poor Sander game against Clare. So they're top of the table, but it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Without being overly, overly impressive. Yeah, I think what was Darry Egan said, stuttered over the line, which I think was a fair assessment. I mean, as you say, Rory, 11 wides from Clare in that first half really wasn't really good enough, was it? And just get your thoughts, Rory, about Rogers. You know, we, we didn't mention it. He was injured midweek. Uh, for University of Limerick, I'm not sure what the extent of the injury here Rory is, but Rogers was scoring pretty heavy uh, for University of Limerick. Uh, what's the prognosis there for Rogers, and is that maybe another kind of genuine concern going yeah, into just, the rest of the league? Just heard like that, just asking guys up in UL what story is, and they seem to think that it's a serious injury that uh, he. Yeah, that he's going to be out for, you know, season. It's I think it's uh, ACL. Now, that's not confirmed, but that's what uh, I was told somebody was saying. So either way, it's it's a long-term injury. And it's a pity because he was really, both for UL and for Clare, he was re- really looked settled in that Clare team this year. Um, Shane Meehan as well, two young lads who are making a difference. Crotty too. So, yeah, it's something we pointed out before that there are players coming through for Clare. They all seem to be forwards. <laughs> We're praying for a couple of backs to come along. Um yeah, so it's a huge blow for him. Like he, he's 21 years of age, just really starting to establish himself and maybe uh, claim a starting jersey for the championship. And yeah, talk about poor timing and missing the final and everything for UL. I know, yeah. Uh, yeah so let's wish him his recovery. I think as well, Rory, the, defensively for the two extra goals, like um, Roy O'Connor just pulled away from three or four defenders. Uh, won't say unopposed, but you know, they made it very easy for him. Uh, and the same for D. O'Keefe, like he was, he ended up being all alone. You know, had a, a time to pick his where he wants to put it. So yeah, I think the frailties in defence seem to be the, the issue for Clare. Yeah, right, Rogers has been he's been very good this year. Uh, hope it's not as serious as it sounds. I think he would have. I think he's had a bit of done already to even say that he'd have a starting jersey. Yeah. And even go back to the goal, the first goal, I think it was Paul Flanagan just fell off the, the tackle mm. of Rory O'Connor. He just kind of skipped past him. Um, yeah, and then in the second one, it actually came clear we're, we're working the ball out of defence and David, David Fitzgerald just dropped a hand pass. David Fitzgerald, who had improved since, since the court game, back at wing back, looked a bit better, but just these kind of errors and at this level, they get punished and Wexford, yeah, five seconds later, ball's in the back of the clear net when it should have been clear on the attack. For Wexford, two from two, I mean, I think it was a good End of the game, I mean, from the minute 56 to 66 minute, they outscored Clare 1-4 to no score. And I suppose that was kind of decisive closing exchanges. But, I mean, even from Wexford's 10, 10 wides uh, during that open period as well, it was kind of a funny game, wasn't it, in terms of the accuracy, maybe the shooting selection not quite there. But I suppose Dar Egan, he, can he really assess in terms of where Wexford are, uh, Kieran? Uh, two from two. Now, he has a big game coming up, uh, heading up to Galway uh, this weekend. I suppose that will be a big barometer, given how Galway performed against Limerick in the TUS Gaelic grounds in round two. I thought they were very impressive. I thought that was a statement of intent from Galway from start to finish. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from Wexford's point of view, like we're coming to the stage in the league where... Like management are going to have to start putting what they think is going to be their starting fifteen together to play a match or two for for the likes of Egan. Like what system do they play? Will they? I, I imagine depending on what team they're going to come up against. Like you you could see the sweeper deployed again for for Galway. One thing I liked actually about them against Clare, they had four points from the half back line, which you know adds another dynamic that they mightn't have had in the past. You know, so the two Damien Reck and Connor Flo, two good scoring wing backs. You know, so I think. They'll be they'll be confident with themselves going up to Galway, um, relative uh, a chance at it, and uh, yeah, I think it'll be an assessment, a real assessment of where they are. 
come the end of the match. Just you know, so you could make you could make excuses for Limerick first day out. Um, but I think Galway will be the benchmark for him to see where they're really at going into the going to the championship. I suppose even going for Limerick on round two. I mean, but there's a few positives there, particularly Kieran. Uh, <laughs> as we're Limerick men, you know, uh, Cahill O'Neill kind of came on. Was very prominent four points it was a good highlight from him. Galan scores the one one scores goal very early. Um, but I suppose <laughs> hey, this, this thing with uh discipline now in Limerick is kind of rearing its head again, you know, with the Giroud Hegarty red card. And I know we had a with good banter there during the week in terms of you know controversial red cards or discipline. Talking about like say Colin Lynch or you know the Tony Keady kind of affair when he went over to the States. God, the media really kind of blew that. Up, but I suppose from Gerald Hegarty, really should have had no complaints about the red card, did he? No, no, zero. No, it was a red card all day. Um, I don't think he'll have any complaints himself about it. Limerick, I suppose, despite playing most of the second half, the 14, I thought there was some positives as opposed to the first game. O'Neill was, I thought, superb. Really struggled against Wexford, and I think he's put his hand up now, four points. I thought he exceptional. Galan, I suppose, a kick in the arse from, from the Wexford game, you know, getting out ahead of his man. I think he actually went to score 1-2 even from play. Flanagan, two points. But I think over looking at Galway, you know, geez, they were they were very impressive, very physical in tackles. Uh, it, it had a real championship feel to the match. Looking at the scores, like Fintan Burke, unbelievable. It's two sidelines from either side. I think he four points. Cahamanian, four points. They had eight different scores. So I think, I think Sheffield will be impressed with what he's seen. And they closed out the game as well. So they could have easily just limped home, but they, they closed out and finished strongly as well. So they'll be confident going on. And they'll have a, it'll be a tough battle against Wexford, but you'd still fancy them to, to come out and tap and, and probably be top of 1A after the Absolutely. Yeah, do you know what? Kudos to John Kiley there for, um, you know, it would have been very easy for him to kind of uh, drop Kyle O'Neill after the Wexford game, but he just showed faith and it was rewarded back, especially with a young player coming onto the team that you give them, a, you know, you give them the second chance. It was a difficult enough day down in Wexford anyway to make, you know, to, to make a start uh, first round of the league, all Ireland champions. This, and, you know, a bit of, uh, there wasn't an open game that would suit him. He had a bit more space in the Gaelic grounds and you could see like he's a wonderful striker the ball and good pace. Uh, so both sides, like he really led the line for Limerick, I thought. Um, just another thing, I, we mentioned Adam English, he came on as a sub, he, he kind of had a small, I, I'd like to see him start because like, we're still unsure wh- whether Graham Mulcahy will be, you know, as good as he has been in previous years. He had an excellent county final for Kilmallock, but, you know, is Graham going to be a player that comes off the bench for them um, this year? Because, like, uh, just Adam English is a guy who's really impressed me, and I'd l- just like to see him maybe start and see what he could do from the start. Yeah, no, no better place than to US Gaelic Grounds on Sunday against uh, Cork, who are coming in two from two. I mean, we won't harbour on this too much, lads, but, you know, scored 425 away toffly. Um, it was a kind of a mismatch. If I describe here, after 11 minutes, it was 3-5 on the board for Cork. 3-8 to 3 points after 19 minutes. 3-12 to 8 points at half time. Cork were 3-16 to 10 points up by 45 minutes. Really kind of tells the tape 12 different scores from Cork. So I don't know if they've learned a whole pile against Offaly and poor Offaly, I think, were just literally shell-shocked uh, just given the start that they made. And I think it'll be a good test, uh, I think, for Cork. I think, you know, after the Clare opening round win, I think this is a kind of a barometer. It'll be interesting to see with Kingston, how he plays that. Will he go all out to look to issue a statement of intent to Limerick or will he kind of back away uh, from it? But I think it should be a good game anyway. Full house, I would say, in TUS Gaelic rounds. What are your thoughts of Cork? I know we don't have James O'Care with us tonight, lads, but uh, 
Cork seem to be going okay at the moment. Yeah, and if you look at the, the score sheet, it's the same lads every week for the last two weeks. Like Kingston, 2-3 from play. Fitzgibbon and Lahan, 1-2 from play. Coleman, four points. That's just or Fitzgibbon is, is really back in form. I, I think it's coming to the to the when it comes to the championship, the Kingston will have to make decisions regarding who starts and who and who's a sub. But I really struggle to see how even Harnady could could fit in. Um, they, they have some real attacking forwards and they, they seem to have coming into a bit of form so I think it'll all bode well for them come championship they have, a, they have definitely have options Yeah um, as well it, it, like this is the big round really because we, we get to see where Wexford really are going up to Galway as we, as I said they, they've won two but not I know it's great to turn over the All-Ireland champions or whatever but they were taught they were poor Nennis and we'll really know Galway we know what level Galway were at the last time out so we'll have a real Bramner and Wexford, but also with Cork. Limerick are going to be smart, and they're not going to want to lose three in a row, two in a row at home as well. Limerick will be, will be going out all guns blazing, and we'll kind of know where Cork really stand then, because they, the game against Clare, as we said, it was almost like a challenge match element to it. Um, awfully then to follow up, uh, like uh, as Mark pointed out there, it was over after 10 minutes, that game. So this would be a real test, and we kind of know exactly how Cork improved from last year. Have they learned anything from the All-Ireland final that they can... Because I think this is the time to try it out as well. Uh, they learn what might work against Limerick um, because uh, there's nobody kind of keeping it in your back pocket for Championship Day and, and finding out it doesn't work. The, this is a, a perfect trial and error opportunity for Kingston. So, yeah, as we said, like uh, they have phenomenal forwards, Cork, if they're given space. But I think Limerick will shut that space down as they've done previously against Cork. And that's the question of the Cork forward line. Uh, we all know likes of Lahan will, if he's let loose, will, will, will score from all angles. But the question in the past, these guys have haven't, haven't uh, done the business in a tight game, in a real physical game. And that's the question mark that still hands over the Cork forward line. I think as well the um, the week's break will have suited Limerick. You know, they get that extra bit of work in. They seem to be in a few weeks behind the other teams they've played. So I think the extra week will have stood to them. I'd say it'll be a fair battle from throwing. Yeah, I think we can kind of quickly go to 1B as well, guys. Again, won't gloss over this too much, but Watford running riot over Leash, you know, 7.31 to 19 points. I mean, there was um, four goals scored by Watford at the end of the first half. Um, we've talked about this in previous podcast episodes regarding Leash and their hurling progression. I mean, this does absolutely nothing for Leash senior hurling, really, uh, inter-county-wise. And to be honest, Bennett, 3-8, 2-6 from freeze, you know, fairly emphatic. Uh, in 1B. Dublin went up to Corrigan Park and beat a very determined Antrim 219-215. Now I only saw the highlights on Tina G on Monday but it looked like a kind of tale of uh, two halves there. Uh, Antrim really starting very strongly and uh, Neil McManus was very phenomenal uh, with 2-7 but again Dublin regrouped well after uh, the break and Paul Crummy's goal in 53 minutes there uh, along with Donald Burke who seems to be in fantastic form at the moment in place balls and again Dublin have a, a nice trip down to Semple Stadium to face a uh, tip who, uh, with a late Jason Ford free, uh, secured a one-point win over Kilkenny. And I know one or two guys that were in Sample Stadium on the day were querying the first 40 minutes that it looked very much kind of a challenge game feel to it. Did kind of rose up in the last 25 minutes, but uh, still an important one for Tipperary uh, heading into that Dublin fixture, uh, Roy. Yeah, again, with, with the other games in 1B, this is like the send-out game because both teams are unbeaten. Uh, Tipperary had a kind of struggled a bit. Now, it was horrendous conditions up in Leash that day. Um, again, Drew with Kilkenny, who were uh, minus the... Um, or sorry, just go over against Kilkenny, minus the Valley Hill players. 
So you're kind of wondering where Tip are, and this will be a test because we know Dublin have been going well. If Dublin win this, whoever wins this actually is set up nicely to go and progress in the league. Dublin have unleashed to play afterwards. So be a huge game for them and a real test of like where exactly Dublin are. We'll find out in Tarlis um, Saturday evening. It's, it's, it is the tie around for Moon B, definitely. Yeah, certainly, Karen. You, you flagged Jason Ford very early in this Hurling podcast series. Silver Mines man stepped up again massively uh, for Tip when they needed him against Kilkenny. Absolutely. Um, they seem to be really reliant on him. But they still have firepower to come in. You know, you're looking at the McGraths, two McGraths, um, Jerry Cannon, Bonner. So you probably will see, you might even see some of them come from Dublin this weekend. Um, they'll want to start putting their, their 15 out It's going to possibly play championships. So uh, really impressed with Dublin again. You know, Antrim, it's a hard place to go and win. Uh, nine different scorers again. You know, so it, it's all positives for Matty Kenny. I think if they were to get over tip, I think it'd be huge confidence going forward. And it, it probably will be as good a game as Cork, Limerick or any games in 1B or 1A. I, I think Dublin could actually do it. I think Dublin could beat Tipperary. Definitely. I know Matty Kenny and the Dublin players who have been interviewed before the game against Tip have described this as a litmus test. So really, they're penciling in this game as a big statement of intent fixture for them. God, if they could get a win down in Semple Stadium, that's uh, that's a massive win for Dublin Hurling. Uh, you know, and considering the Dublin footballers not going great at the moment, we could galvanise an awful lot of support within the capital on this Dublin Hurling team because uh, they seem to have good momentum at the moment uh, given their Walsh Cup win as well. I mean, kind of going back to the Tip Kilkenny game, I mean, those you can credit Kilkenny with the flight backs. I mean, they were six points down at the break and then in the second half they were five points down. But, um, this wide count from Kilkenny, they had 19 wides against Antrim in round one. Round two, they had 14. Uh, is this kind of a s- source of concern for Brian Cody and the Kilkenny uh, team uh, going into the latter stages of the league, Rory? I, I think what's kind of concerning is you're looking for Kilkenny and say who's going to, especially with them having a chance to, to blood new players, you're saying who has uh, grabbed the jersey, who has really like put their hand up. And it's going to be same old, same old. I don't, so far anyway, nobody like... Uh, as uh, Kieran pointed out earlier, um, Keown scores 2-2 the first day, doesn't do anything the second day, and it's this inconsistency is a huge problem with them. I, I'm sure Brian Cody was just hoping that he would have somebody kind of, you know, shoot the lights out or really put a hand up, and it just hasn't happened for them. Uh, look, as we said, when it comes to championship, they're going, to, they're still going to be uh, Kilkenny, and they will, you know, the, the amazing thing about them is they play like a team that has never won in Ireland, there's such hunger and ferocity to try and try and beat them. But uh, in terms of talent, I think Cody might be worried that, you know, he is going back to the same pool of players again for this year as he had last year and the year before. Just, um, yeah, it's kind of a merry-go-round. You can pick three forwards and the other three are on a merry-go-round. Like, uh, one day, Walter Walsh might start. The next day, it's, you know, Billy Reid, but it's the same bunch of players being rotated all the time. No one is really, really uh, staking a real claim and, and holding on to a jersey there. Like, it's... Hard to believe we're saying this. <laughs> this Kenny Ireland, you know, the the conveyor belts of talent coming through the schools, colleges, you know. It, but it will, I think, it will be a fascinating watch with Park Walsh, particularly. He flagged it up here in terms of the half forward line. Richie Reid was appointed, I believe, as Kenny captain uh, last night. So or a nominated. So is that implying that Richie Reid will be getting a little bit more game time for Kenny, and he's using the half for, uh, half back midfield area, which would maybe suggest that Park Walsh might be getting a bit more versatile to go into that half-forward line and maybe win a bit more ball in the air. But um, I suppose for Tipperary, it, it was, you know, they got over the line. I thought Craig Morgan, Michael Breen, Barry Heffron were outstanding. Uh, Jake Morris scores the goal as well. But 
I think this weekend might be the true kind of barometer of Tipperary. And again, it'd be interesting to see with Bonner uh, what he actually does in terms of starting lineup. Because as you've mentioned, guys, he's given a few of the new guys a chance. You have the marquee players ready to come in. I suppose no better time than this weekend to really show them off against a, a real determined, well-drilled Dublin side. Before we conclude here, uh, get your heads on the block time uh, in terms of the fixtures. Maybe starting with 1A, uh, Galway, Wexford, Offaly, Clare and Limerick, Cork. Who do you fancy uh, in those games? Maybe we start with Karen first. First game, uh, Limerick, Cork. I'm going to say Limerick. Uh, as Roy points out earlier, the... Kylie won't want to lose three in a row, and definitely not two at home. You could see a close to a team that lined out in the All-Ireland final last year. You know, we're hitting week three now, so they want to get game time into lads um, and get a real championship, so I think Cara are going to go for Limerick. Clare, I think this would be, uh, it's probably coming at a good time uh, for Clare. You know, give them a chance, get get lads some game time maybe. It's Tony Kelly, back Rory, I think it's a yeah, training back. game. Yeah, so, you know, it's uh, maybe a good game to get some, you know, get him on maybe for a few minutes. And the last game, I think Gabe are at home. Um, they're going to be, they'll be hard to beat up there. Yeah, uh, I'm going to copy Kieran with those three selections. I just think, yeah, Galway, home to Wexford. It was on a Wexford Park, you'd get Wexford every chance, but up in Salt Hill, you're, you're thinking Galway there, uh, going very well. There's just, there's, there's a bit more about Galway so far than Wexford, even though they're, they both have two wins apiece. Uh, Clare, yeah, Tony Kelly will be the kind of the story of the weekend for Clare. People, uh, just great to see him back out again. Um, apparently, I was flying in a training match last weekend, so um, signs are good, and kind of just when Clare needed a pick-up, um, yeah, Offaly does come along. Now, you're just kind of wondering, are Offaly kind of targeting this game with Clare in poor form as their game to, you know, if they were to really try and get get a win on the board at home to Clare up in, I think it's uh, Tullamore. It's in, the last one was in Burr. I think this one is Tullamore. Um, so, yeah, it could, be, it could be a danger game for Clare. And were they to lose this game, it would really, you know, really be a dampener. Um, with um, Galway still to play um, <laughs> coming up, like it, it, it yeah. It, so I, I'll go with Clare, but it could be close compared to Offaly's last two games. This could be a closer, closer game. There has to be a reaction from Offaly though after that maul and I got from Cork. Like I mean, Fenley can talk down the league all he wants, but I think he needs a response off his troops uh, this weekend. I think he'll get a response, but I still think Clare should be far too good. I don't know, Rory, what's the situation with Peter Duggan? Um, I know he's back. Um, is he anyway near kind of full fitness here? Yeah, he had an ankle injury, so he had to get surgery on it. Um, so, okay. yeah, I'm not sure what the time frame is, but I think he, the league might come too soon for him. And it's a pity because after being away for in Australia for a couple of years, of all players, he needed a league campaign to, just to get back up to the speed of things. Um, so yeah, like Clare's haven't like Lohan hasn't had much luck with injuries so far this year. There's still Ian Galvin to come back as well. Um, Shane O'Donnell, who's not injured but is meant to be joining up at the end of the league with the panel. So yeah, he, he's he, he has been working with a, a limited squad, but it has been a chance. Like as we said, Shane Meehan has got plenty of game time. Patrick Crotty is impressed coming on. Yeah. So I'm sure like he's seen it as a positive that way. But at the same time, you do kind of want to get your championship team settled and get a few games under the belt with, with your championship team, um, especially coming into the latter stages of the league. So hopefully some of these players, like with Kelly coming back this weekend, that there's going to be more players you know, coming off the, the treatment table and onto the pitch. Um, we certainly need it at the moment. Well, it's going to be a few tasty games for Clare coming up after the Offaly uh, game. Local derbies against the 
Galway and uh, near neighbour Midwest Labour's uh, Limerick as well. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with you guys there on those ones. You know, I think Cork's team selection for me will fascinate, fascinate me in terms of how they kind of play that game. <laughs> will they put Mark Coleman still at the half-back line or will they give him a roving role? Um, that'll be, for me, the fascinating watch, I think, on that game. But I think uh, I'll go along with you guys. And then 1B, we have Antrim versus Watford, entertaining Watford in Corrigan Park. Uh, Midlands Derby, uh, Kilkenny entertain Leash in Nolan Park, and we have probably the the pick of the games in one B, uh, Tipperary versus Dublin. So, uh, Rory might start with you first in terms of uh, getting a few uh, predictions there. Yeah, well, well, straight away you kind of have to go water for Kilkenny in those two games, and as Kieran has teed up already, this is probably going to be the, the especially the tighter in the one B, but possibly of the whole weekend uh, and Saturday evening viewing as well for us, which is great. I, I love, I kind of. I really like the Saturday evening games, the harder matches, they're just, uh, you know, we saw it with the Galway-Limerick game the last day, it's just a great time to kind of sit down, watch a game, um, or, or even travel to a game. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm I going to go with Dublin as well. I just think that they seem to be, we're a bit more sure where Dublin are. Um, it is going to be really, it'll be a huge statement, can they win down in Thurlis um, and really G them up. Like we're talking about Munster, you know, being like, how do you pick three teams out of five for Munster? But like Wexford, Galway, Kilkenny and Dublin, it's going to be hard to pick three out of those four to progress from the Leinster Championship. But we know a bit more after this weekend, I think. Uh, what are your picks? Yeah, I think I think Cody would be happy to see Leash coming this weekend because it'll buy the Ballyhale guys another week's rest. Uh, I think if you were if you were facing into a Dublin game, you know, would he be forced to kind of give them some action? But uh, yeah, go with Kilkenny there. Um, tip of Dublin, I said Dublin already. I think they're... They're they're impressive this year. I think they're 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 good. They're like they're nine scores from play in the last two games, you know. So that's it's that's all positive for Maddie Kenny. And uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dublin to the B tip and Waterford. Obviously, yeah, I think Waterford. Are, um, obviously they have to go to Antrim, but I think they'll still do it. I think Waterford. It's all positive this year for Waterford. You know, like you've the Bally Gunner story. Uh, tied the Burka back in the field last week, you know, which we had mentioned, which is, you know, huge for them. Jamie Barron to come back, you know, with Cattle nailed his colours to the match for Waterford for this year and, and turning on the hip job. Like, it's all positive news. They're kind of unmentioned, like, if, if anyone mentions contenders to Limerick, Galway are the first team or the first name on people's lips. So I think Cattle is, 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 um, he's ruined these lads. And I think the, I think this is the year if they're going to do it or make a statement. This this is the year for. Oh, absolutely! I think it's put up or shut up time for this uh, group of Waterford lads and Liam Cal particularly after the Tipperary job vacancy, the rumours he's committed to Waterford now, and particularly with the Waterford you know success story with Bally Gunner as well. I suppose like Desi Hutchinson, Manny. I suppose they can get probably the week rest, but. Uh, there's an awful lot of good things going on with Antrim Hurling, and I suppose Rory, you know, you're associated with the University of Limerick, particularly with the Freshers League. You played Queen's University uh, there last week, and you've probably seen firsthand uh, the improvements, probably the development in Antrim Hurling. Yeah, to be honest, it was a super game up in UCD on Monday night, and uh, just like the the standard of the game as well was really impressed me. Uh, we knew Queen's had uh, won all their games fairly well to get to the final, so we knew it would, it would be the toughest challenge we've had so far and it proved to be uh, two points in it with, with maybe 15 minutes left and they had a goal chance and we we finished strongly then in the last 10 minutes but had that goal gone in and they had edged ahead of us we had been up eight points you know 
would have been interesting to see what response we would have got. But just speaking to the Queen's management afterwards, they were kind of uh, you know thrilled, and they were just saying that games against they don't get many games like Antrim are developing away in their own pocket, and just getting games against you know uh, hurlers from let's say Munster, Leinster, and regular games it makes a big difference. So you could just you could just see that they are doing things right up there, and that's one thing. They they are just geographically just that bit. It is tougher for them, like um, not having the like. It's so easy for even let's say the club saying for Six Mile Bridge to go away and play a one week or uh, into Galway, Portumna, whoever it is. Like just there's so many geographically, like we're, we're kind of blessed that we're all close together. But Antrim, as we said, it it is a real negative for them that they have to so much travelling to do to get proper games. Also, I think as well what uh, I think we should discuss another day is like the GA don't. Do I, I, they're not doing enough for teams like Antrim and, and Leash, you know, Carlo, um, these second tier teams, like, you know, I don't think the, the GA aren't doing enough for them. Like, Hurling is in these counties, but uh, they don't get the chance to display it. Like, the Joe McDonough, it's a secondary competition that there is, and I think more needs to be done to, to progress them as well. You know, we, we, we've only a few Hurling counties in, in, at the top tier, you know, as opposed to the football. So, uh, I think more needs to be done to get them up to that same level. You, you've raised great points here, Karen. I definitely think we should have a podcast before uh, championship season kicks off, really, on that, because you look at the Sunday or the Monday supplements in the papers and you're kind of squinting for a 2A, 2B, 3A, 3B division. These are guys that are putting their life and souls into the hurling as well. So I think we definitely will touch upon that point in the next couple of weeks. Um, I suppose my predictions, I suppose Waterford definitely... Kenny definitely against Leash, but Leash will pick themselves up, I think, after that bad loss against Waterford. And maybe it's shown that Waterford's form could be a good kind of form line here as well, that they're another team that are kind of on top of the ground at the moment. And I think this Tipperary Dublin game has intensity written all over it. You know, Dublin are going to come in very physical with the hurling ability, but no better team than Tipperary when you're kind of writing them off. They'll give it back to you in double Dublin spades. So... I'll go with Tipperary. Hasn't a vote on uh, Tipperary just based on home field advantage, but I think that is a cracker of a tie. Lads, it's been a lengthy one here, but uh, I think we've had an awful lot to get through. Many thanks to Rory Walsh and Karen Collins uh, uh, for your time uh, this evening. And maybe we'll get back here again uh, next week to review uh, the Allianz Hurling League uh, round three fixtures. Uh, many thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.